Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. This is your host, Martha Tyler. And this week, we are going to be talking to David Rue, who has a wonderful podcast called Biddy the Duck. Hello, David. Well, hi, Martha. How are you? I'm doing really well. How are you? Good. And I'm just realizing this right now that... Years ago in this podcast, the Biddy the Duck, who you just mentioned, has a mom and her name is Martha. <gasps> just realizing yeah. that right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm doing great. Uh, that was just a That's tangential so thing right there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I chose Martha. I really couldn't tell you, but yeah. So. It's a common mom name. Oh, that would be right, wouldn't it? Yeah, because it's also uh, uh, Superman's mom's name. Is it seriously? Mm-hmm. I bet it's making a bit of a comeback. Adoptive too. mom. I, we don't. That... I don't know his his actual mom's name, but his adoptive <laughs> mom is named Martha. That's funny. Yeah, his adoptive certainly adopted. Yeah, yeah, and it's all true as well, too. Right, so right, right. Yes, story, it's fact. Right? As well as Biddy's mom. <laughs> Very quick. I like that. Thank you. Yes, yes. Well, before we get started talking about your wonderful podcast, um, I would love to hear your journey and your work with um, kids and what led you to making this. Wow. Uh, well, I wanted to, I mean, in one sense, being a teacher is kind of one start of the journey. Uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've been a teacher for 25 years a music teacher, an, an elementary, it, it, the school that I'm at is small-ish. So it contains all 12 grades. So I will be teaching elementary music literally to kindergartners. And then four minutes later, my senior high choir comes into the, into the room. So I'm going oh, wow. from yeah. five-year-olds to 19-year-olds in a matter of minutes, quite a jump. Uh, so being a part of education and, and kind of, you know, kid mindset, has been with me for quite a while. The podcast comes along after I had kids and I was on a walk with one of my children and we was, we were wearing our raincoats. It was, it had just stopped raining. A few ducks walked in front of us and we just started a conversation about the ducks. Mm -hmm. She happened to name one of them Biddy. And then later that night, I started to tell her a story about the duck and looked around at all of the stuffed animals that were on the bed and just started creating characters based on the stuffed animals that were on her Mm -hmm. bed. 
And really it's almost, they've all just stuck even 10 years later. So it's, it's, and I know you and I were talking beforehand and you mentioned that you had started this out as an attempt to be a blog. And that was similar to mine too. When I first started it out, I thought, well, bedtime stories, something that people can read mm-hmm. to the, to the children, to their kids. And then I started to think, well, that's a little too labor intensive. And I knew how to record being a music teacher. I had all the equipment. So I just, and, and ever since I was a kid, you know, at, at five or six, my parents were the first on the block to have a little tape recorder. So I was, wow. as a young child, just constantly uh, amazed at the magic of, of recording your voice and hearing it and manipulating it and making other people's voices when I was the only voice. So it's really, you ask, what's the journey? The journey starts when I was five. And then the journey continues when I was in college becoming a teacher. And then as a parent, bring me to where I am now with the stories. I love that. And, and I do think that, um, you know, storytelling, we, when we think about books, we, we obviously think, you know, reading words on a page, but storytelling is much more broad than just books. Right. And it started as a, as an auditory medium. Um, and I really love, I love, like, I'm, I'm a big audiobook person. I love hearing stories. Mm, yeah. It, I think that the idea of listening to it, I mean, even when you say listening to stories, one of the classes I have, I'm in a, I'm in a study hall room with, in another teacher's place in his room. And he was a cop 10 years ago. And he started talking about his experiences to us as a cop. And we all just sat slack jawed listening. Yeah. It's that there's something, it seems like you say, there's something that seems so primal, just being able to listen to someone tell a story true or not, you know, right. we just, we just like to listen. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, based in, in fact or not, there is Mm -hmm. truth in every story. There is. (laughs) And there's embellishment. Yes, for (laughs) sure. Whether it's true or not. (laughs) For sure. Even if it's, you know, a a more fact-based story, it Mm -hmm. it definitely um, is certainly from a a particular point of view. And yes, with, with (laughs) embellishment perhaps, or um, digressions, things like that. So yeah. Um, well, wonderful. Well, let's talk about Biddy the Duck. I have been listening to episodes and it is so delightful. What what caused you? I mean, I know that we talked about, you know, you started making up these stories, but, but how did you, um, come up with like the direction that you were going to take this or is it kind of you're making the bridge as you're walking across that's a good question uh and i and that's a the last statement is probably the right one (laughs) i started it out in a sort of narrative way talking about the story saying biddy did this then douglas who is the name of the there's a lumberjack who built this tree house Mm-hmm. Okay. And just, it was more narrative. And then I would sprinkle in a uh, conversations and, and, you know, from time to time, like, and then Biddy says this, and then I would speak as if I was Biddy's voice, but it over so many years, it slowly started to just become a, less a story and more like a sitcom. And I've tried to get back to saying it more narratively, but I just can't. 
And, and I think that's unique. I, I don't know, but I think that what I'm doing is different from any other kids podcast because it is like a sitcom. It's a, it's character based. I mean, the intros is a commercial. I have an intro song that leads into it with that sort of 1970 Brady's bunch segue music out of a commercial. Yeah, it is. Okay. It is. <laughs> <laughs> that was very specific. I, I, I got to get that Gilligan's Island sound in there. Right. But then with the characters having more and more of a personality. And I think that's what really started to become appealing. And to the people who listen, I was getting a lot of feedback that they had their favorite characters. And, you know, Wyatt, who was, uh, if I could just name a few of the characters, Wyatt, yeah. who was a raccoon, Biddy, who was a duck. And, and I had to kind of, as I was being a person who's in music, I had to come up with voice color that mm -hmm. when they all talked at the same time, you could still hear everybody. So Biddy, I'll just jump into it. Uh, listeners, if you've never heard this, which I doubt you have. This is Biddy. She talks like this. She's a duck. And so her voice is a bit higher and has that sort of raspy sound to it. And of course, a lisp. <laughs> then Douglas, who is a lumberjack, is just my voice, regular, plain old. Bruin, who is a bear, is a friend of hers, and he talks real low and is a lot like Bill Murray from Caddyshack. <laughs> okay. So that one you can hear when Biddy's talking high, Bruin's talking low, and saw, uh, Wyatt, who is a raccoon from Boston. <laughs> and that one comes out real pushy, right in the middle. So Biddy, Wyatt, Bruin, in my voice, it kind of paints a picture. So in a sitcom sense, without visuals, you can hear everything happening, hear the voices and follow the story. And that's just so much fun to be able to create something out of nothing. That's nothing, you know, that's a, a happening, a, a, a situation, like I say, a sit sitcom. And then all of a sudden, and it, there's 11 minutes of, of something that never existed. And, and the characters to me and to a lot of the listeners seem so real, seem so alive. Yes, they really do. And, and it, it's, it's more than, you know, just the, the vocal tone. It's also that they, you can tell how much you love each of the characters and, and how much of their world you've built out. Um, mm. they, they each have a, a point of view and a, a way of approaching the world. That's funny. It's like when you watch certain episodes of a sitcom and you see the early seasons and the characters aren't fully constructed. It just, it feels that way that after all these years, and it's been 10 years now that wow. I've been doing this, that, yeah, and, and I do feel like some of the characters, and I guess every one of them has a part of me, that would make sense. <laughs> you know, there's a part of my personality in each one of them. So, and it's, I just, I just so enjoy it. I so enjoy doing it. Yeah. So you've, you've been a teacher for 25 years now. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm curious about, you know, in your experience and, and, and you've been doing this podcast for 10 years. So in your experience, like what changes have you seen in kids over the years and, mm. and how have you incorporated that into the podcast? Wow. You know, I love to ask, was, you know, really small, easy to answer questions. I was just thinking, it's funny. 
I was, I think about this from time to time because of this one quote that came across on us, a screen. I was, it was a, an in-service we had. And when you get teachers, your teacher, people come in and they, you know, Hey, let's get ready to teach this year. You know, the, the school brings in people and this, this guy came in, boy, was he long-winded. I remember that. <laughs> But the other thing I remembered about him, well, was his tweed jacket. He had a very, he had a tweed jacket with the patches of leather on his elbow. I haven't seen that in years. <laughs> he put up this slide of this really curmudgeonly comment that said, was a quote. And it was a, a, it was, you could just tell this was a crusty old man talking about how youth these days, kids these days, they're, they have a lack of attention. They can't sit still and our future is doomed. And then he revealed the author and it was Aristotle. Oh. So this is thousands of years ago. And instantly I started to kind of think about this in my head that what's happening is if it's, it's like the bottom of a lake where bubbles come up out of the out of the, you know, the murk of the mud of the bottom of the lake. And we as humans are like, we're rising as bubbles to the surface but we're so egocentric that we think everything is revolving around us. We're the ones that are changing. And as we look down at the brand new bubbles coming out, we complain about them <laughs> because they're so different from us. But we were once those little bubbles coming out of the water. Well, okay, I'll try to keep this down. I was watching old reruns of Dick Cavett this past summer, who was an old talk show host back in the 70s. And he had this person talking about, and it was in the midst of women's liberation in the 1970s. And he was saying how we saw the civil rights movement in the 60s and the women's lib movement in the 70s. And they asked, well, who's next? And this, this was Dick Gregory, who was a comedian. And he said, he was asking Dick Gregory, well, so the civil rights, women's rights, who's next? And he said, kids' rights. Mm. kids need to have their rights taken care of next and he was right so when you ask long story long what have i seen changed i think it's that we as i hope as adults are starting to give kids the dignity that they need mm -hmm. that maybe the change hasn't been kids maybe the change just has to be the the adults and how we treat them. And yeah, the kids are a little more crazy now, but I think it's because we're not standing there with a ruler mm -hmm. ready to slap their wrists. They're just being themselves. And I think that the change hasn't been so much the kids that it's been them getting to be themselves. Yeah. That's really, really beautiful and wonderfully put. I, I'm sorry. I hold these things in my brain and then somebody <laughs> asked me that question. So yeah. And being a teacher, we like to talk, but anyways, that's the long story to that answer. Yeah. And I do, I, I think you're absolutely right. And um, I mean, you know, I think about some of the, our, you know, greatest catalysts for change um, have been <laughs> young adult, like young kids. Ooh, that's so a like good point. Joan of Arc was like 12 or Greta Thunberg or um, Malala, you know, they're all like yeah. 
12, 13 year old girls who are making huge changes in the are world. You, are you talking about that girl who is promoting um, the, the global warming change? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Did I say her name right? Greta? I don't know. I don't know. I her think name, it's Greta just, Thunberg. Okay. Right. That's a good point. Thunberg. I, I hadn't thought about that before. And that just reveals kind of more the fact, well, <laughs> who has the social media voice though, too? Right. I mean, it's the young generation. So, huh, uh, wow. Talk about, you know, Bob Dylan's line from uh, the times they are changing. Get out of the new world if you can't lend a hand, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, well, speaking of you being a teacher, how, how do you think, like, how have you incorporated what you've learned from being a teacher? Because I know, you know, I've also, I've been a teacher in a traditional classroom, but I've also mm-hmm. taught um, lots of acting uh, classes to kids. Ooh. And I always end up learning more than, you know, than I think I'm teaching <laughs> from the kids. Yeah. Because they are, they're so, I, I don't know. I love, I love working with kids. This is why I'm a nanny. Um, but what yeah, do you think, right. what do you think teaching has, how has that influenced your podcast and, and how you go about producing it? In small ways, getting ideas from them, they will just say something that will spark an idea for a podcast or for a story because they're just free association. And so something crazy comes up and all of a sudden, oof. I got to put that in a podcast. I got to, you know, I have to make that the center of a story. Uh, but then on a little more of a, uh, I don't know if, if the word is pedagogical, but is, is seeing kind of the, the effects that kids are, are having on a lack of sleep. Mm. And maybe that means, you know, I mean, p- kids can have a, have trouble falling asleep and can have trouble at bedtime for a number of reasons. So maybe they're not being, monitored and so bedtime is whenever they want it to be which you know could be at three in the morning if they're done gaming and then all of a sudden they got to get up and go to school or it could be a home that's you know that's having some marital problems or just a kid in a in a traditional uh, whatever you might say family or setting but just having anxiety Mm -hmm. and having a hard time falling asleep and boy it affects it affects we know what it means as grownups when we lose sleep. Mm-hmm. And when you're a child and you are expected to perform every day and learn something new every day, there's no coasting because if you miss out on how to do your long division one day, you might be out of it. So two sides, it would be just getting delightful little ideas for stories, but then also seeing that there are kids who need to have that time before bed that reassures them, that is comforting and that's familiar and, and gives them a chance to fall asleep. The tagline in my podcast is, if you fall asleep laughing, you'll wake up smiling. So yeah. that's my, boy, if I could get that out there and get people to, to understand that, that would be good. Yes, yes. And I completely agree. My um, my mom was a second grade teacher. Uh, Sweet. Yeah, for the majority of my life. And, um, <laughs> and she talked about that issue in particular a lot as well of just like, she's like almost all of the um, 
behavior challenges <laughs> that mm. I have in my classroom, when I investigate it, a lot of times it's that bedtime is like 10 PM or, um, or there yeah. is no bedtime or it's just a lot, it's a lack of sleep. And so well, I what is, support you. You were a, a nanny. Mm-hmm. You were, or you are. I am. Yes. You, okay. So what, what is it like in the, in the, in that world? Is it, is there a trend? I mean, or is it just per the family? Are you there with them at bedtime? The kids or the parents? Um, usually as a nanny, I'm not there for bedtime, but I'm working with kids where nap time is still a thing. Mm -hmm. And so sleep is still an important part. Although I also do like date night babysitting. And so that definitely is, um, bedtime, (laughs) you know, and that, oh, totally. Uh, and that's, I asked that because that is one of the things that I get from from the people who listen, from the, the parents mm-hmm. who listen, you know, I'll get emails from the kids that have, you know, really weird spellings. And I know it's a kid <laughs> doing an email or, you know, or a comment on iTunes. Uh, the parents, when they email and they, they're like, for instance, there was one instance where it was just as simple as a move out of a, a joint bedroom. You know, it was the first time the young one was going to be in their room for the first time by themselves. Mm, big scary and, time. Right. And what did she, and I was so, I was so humbled by it, but what did she do? They, the kid just said, I want to listen to a bitty story. And that, that routine, that familiarity gave that kid security and comfort. And in the summertime, I work with kids who are dropped off at a school. It's this weird, it's not summer school. It's not daycare. It's like a camp for parents who bring their kids there because the, then they go to work. And some of the kids are getting picked up at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. And they've been there all day. And I think about the fact that the parents, like you and the people who, the nannies who listen to you, oftentimes the parents are coming home and getting two hours with the kids. Or if they really want to be with their kids, they're getting three or four hours at the sacrifice of sleep. Right. So... It is one of the things that I think about with, with stories and stories like this with Biddy is that kids having that familiarity. And I, I have kind of a, a, Yoda, a Yoda type of mm-hmm. train of thought where Yoda says fear, fear brings anger, anger brings hatred. You know, there's a Yodaism about a chain of events determined by the fact that you're afraid. Well, to me, I think of bedtime is routine if you can establish a routine which is so hard to do but if so you can hard. <laughs> that's like ideal pie in the sky you know these things right. are great for books they make great bullet points but like jerry seinfeld said being a parent is like running a blender without the lid so, <laughs> i hadn't heard that before I i've seen that some seinfeld but not. well no yeah it wasn't that. a Oh, I haven't watched up. Seinfeld either, but it was one of his stand-up things. Or I, maybe he said it. He said yeah. it like on Jay Leno or something years ago. But it's so true. It's so true. He was commenting on how parenthood has, you know, no, no rules because the kids are the ones in charge, basically. But going back to my yes. Yoda comment, <laughs> is that routine through bedtime stories, or even if, like you were saying before, that if you can at, at nap time. Or anytime that kids just, you know, that, well, I should say caretakers 
or parents or caregivers, they need that 12 minutes to 10 minutes to just, you know, say, Hey, you kids go do this while I just kind of take a break. <laughs> uh, if you can carry that in to a nighttime routine for kids who are going through either, like I was saying, they're a part of a, of a program during the day, they're with nannies or they're with, you know, their aunts or whatever, but at nighttime, when they can create that routine, that routine is something that, that builds familiarity. And once there's something that is familiar to the kids at night, it becomes comforting. Mm -hmm. And to me, ultimately that, that comfort becomes a, that sense of love, that sense of uh, being taken care of. So in a Yodaism, routine builds feel, uh, familiarity, comfort, uh, routine builds familiarity, fami familiarity brings comfort and comfort is that springboard for love there. Ah, yes. <laughs> that's my Yodaism, but I didn't say it backwards like Yoda would have. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. And like, I know... I really struggle to shut my brain down at night, you know, mm -hmm. like that's when I replay all the silly things I yep. did, mistakes I made or anticipate about, you know, worry about what's coming tomorrow or this week or yeah. this year or whatever. And um, we, yeah. we have, we have programs to watch at night, right? We can read a book on our own. Mm -hmm. This is why Jimmy Kimmel and Stephen Colbert, you know, that type of programming is on a nice so that grownups can wind down. But what you just described perfectly, which is thinking about the day and just not able to wind down, that's what kids go through too, or, or can. Mm -hmm. And why can't they be given something that takes their mind off of it? Because as much intensity that the day brings, then all of a sudden you're expected to just go to sleep when there you are hearing your own breathing and you are by yourself. And the only thing that you're left to think about is, you know, what maybe might be troubling you. This is why I believe that not only should kids have something, you know, and I of course would like it if it was pity bedtime stories, but mm -hmm. it also is an opportunity for the parents to come and sit down and be with the kid at that moment, even if, you know, listening to this podcast that I do, the humor that I put in there, I do direct it both in some cases towards the grownups and towards the kids because, and I do get these comments from the, from the, the parents and the caretakers is that they catch those little jokes and the kids don't even know what I'm saying. Right. but the grownups will catch it. It's that Bugs Bunny type of thing where you'll watch Bugs Bunny 20 years after you were watching it as a kid and all of a sudden you realize, whoa, I didn't realize that joke was in there because it wasn't meant for you. It was meant for the grownups, you know, and it's not, let me say, it's nothing lewd. Right. It's nothing sinister. It's nothing suggestive ever. It's just little bits of humor to keep the adults engaged as well. If, if, the adult is there with the kid listening to this at the same time. Yes. Which either way, like I, I loved what you said about, you know, it, it buys an adult 12 minutes of time, yeah. but even if the adult is listening with the child and mm -hmm. not doing something else with that 12 minutes of time, it's 12 mm -hmm. minutes that the adult is not having to produce yep. anything yep. and can then like connect and yeah. develop 
in jokes with their kids based on the characters or, you know, like, what do you think Biddy would do with that pond or, you know, Mm. anything like that, that they can then you have this world that you both have visited together and yeah. you can bring that into the daytime or or your nighttime routine or or whatever. And isn't it isn't it just and the word I'll use is delicious. You're <laughs> you listen to podcasts. I think anybody who obviously is listening to your podcast right now, they are in that world, that ecosystem of podcasts. Mm-hmm. And there's something so different about being told the story that you have to construct in your own mind the visuals. It's not just fed to you on a screen. I mean, that's that's why stories, books, are so still popular at night for kids. It softens the brain, the the imagination. It softens the imagination so that when you become drowsy, you're already starting that that lucidity, that sort of slippery feeling of being aware of things but being imaginative at the same time yeah i don't think that's enough we we get enough of that even as adults we're we're so visually impacted during the day and even at night that we need to turn and again this is idealism but we need to turn off the visual and turn on the auditory if anything so that we can turn our brain off Uh, there's a few people who i over the years have really enjoyed listening to their, their research and theories on sleep. And one of them is this, his name is uh, Russell Foster. He's a, he's a PhD in Oxford in England. And he did a Ted talk and he's had a couple of seminars and symposiums (laughs) about sleep, but he really gets down to the nuts and bolts about what's happening and what we're doing wrong right now. Again, it's just pie in the sky. Like he even hates the alarm. He thinks the alarm clock is one of the greatest tragedies of the 20th century. Well, you know, we can't get around that. And, you know, we need that. But he really outlines in a very, I just like his, his delivery about what's going on before we fall asleep and why we need to shut off our eyes so that our brain can get ready because the visual brightness of the screens and the tv which i still watch at night before i go to bed mm-hmm. but i'm usually so exhausted i could probably fall asleep standing up <laughs> but it's just that we need to turn that off if we can because the brain then can turn off yeah you know, we're, we're governed by light and our wake our circadian rhythms are governed by light i'll just i'll just put it there uh, yeah. russell foster yeah. And uh, Matthew Walker. I read uh, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, and he says the same things. Mm. So um, <laughs> multiple. I mean, you know, I think anyone that that studies sleep would yep. would agree with that. But yeah. And even if you don't, we just know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fact. So, <laughs> yeah. And that's the weird thing about sleep is that it's something that is so expected, mm-hmm. but yet at the same time is so mistreated. Yes. And then as caretakers, we create that mistreatment unintentionally with our kids. Yeah. If, you know, we have to be careful maybe because we, you know, if, if you can underscore the value of sleep, they'll grow up to be people who will, who will appreciate it. And, uh, and I think that's important. 
Yeah. And I also, what you were saying about, you know, turning off the visuals and, and slipping more into your imagination. Mm-hmm. My, my dad is a Jungian analyst. So he's a mm. psychologist, uh, um, heavily influenced by Carl Jung and Boy, Jung. Is there any, any, any curiosity you got into education? Your mom is a teacher. I know. <laughs> I know exactly. Um, you, weren't working at a, you weren't working as a carny sideshow, you know, <laughs> Or, you know, no, <laughs> no. Although, you know, I was in theater for a long time. So yeah, yeah I got, too. I got close to, to Carney mm-hmm. sideshow. Um, <laughs> I towed yeah, that still, line uh, for a long time. I, I totally know what you're saying. Go um, ahead. I'm sorry. But yeah, but it, in that, you know, I grew up with that. I also see a Jungian analyst for my own personal therapy. And um, in that dreams are so important. And like, exploring your subconscious through these symbols and archetypes and myth and all of that, which of course children don't know all of those pieces, but we're setting them up to be able to play through their shadows, their, their stuff that they, that they don't know what to do with yet by giving them characters and archetypes and, and stories to be able to play with in their dreams. Wow. That's beautiful. Wow. Boy, you do know your stuff. Well, oh, that's you. amazing. Shadows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Shadow that, work. The dark I, stuff, the stuff yeah, that, that is very scary. hard to touch on the stuff that, in a, and, and, you know, and when you grow up, you, you carry those with you you, you don't even realize it, but you're, you're, you're bringing those things as a child into adulthood. And sometimes it's not until you are around kids that you see it surface again and you start to go, where's this coming from? You know, I mean, I mean, I don't mean to get Freud or whatever, but it's sleep, like you say, and that time when we do dream is not just uh, a happenstance there's a there is there are chemical things happening in the brain and there are cognitive things happening in the brain developmental things happening during sleep that if we don't get into that deepest sleep which for me is really set up before you even fall asleep getting that routine so that the kids can say i want to go to bed what parent what caregiver wouldn't want to hear somebody said let's go to bed now so i can listen to this story but the 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 things that are happening during sleep are just now because of the technology are just now being understood and how important it is and maybe i'll just i'll end with this we spend and this is this russell foster again we spend one third of our life sleeping so if you end up being 90 years old, that's you, you sleep for 30 years mm. of your life. So one third of your life you spend sleeping. And I think that we need to, again, it's pie in the sky, but any chance you can for ourselves, give ourselves the best night sleep starts before you go to bed, but then to really do what you can for kids. If you're a caretaker during the day, you know, it's stories like mine, other podcasts that are story podcasts for kids. It allows them to, to have that continuity at night so that 
they don't feel like they're being jolted from caretaker to parent to sleep to caretaker to you know the the joltingness of the routine but just to keep the kids in mind think about them and think about well i'll put it this way kids bring backpacks home from school and it's full of books and nowadays because they can't have lockers because of covid those backpacks are super heavy mm-hmm. but there are backpacks that we don't see that the kids take from home to school and it weighs it can it can weigh their shoulders down more than any bag of books and it's because of what's going on at home so kids who have lightness on their shoulders well there's a reason and it's because they have grown-ups who care about them enough to see what they need and just say doggone i'm going to take care of you and we give you what you need because I want you to have a light backpack from home to school. For sure. Yeah. Grownups who care about them and also, you know, the circumstances and the, and their privilege of, of having grownups who aren't working three, four jobs to make ends meet and things like that. So such is the 21st century. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And and yeah, I do, <laughs> as a nanny, another thing <laughs> about bedtime and, you know, cause a lot when I'm doing date night sitting or when I used to pre COVID, um, sometimes that bedtime routine, cause I'm, I'm, I'm not usually there for it. Mm-hmm. So I'm learning the ropes as I'm doing it. Right. Um, right. but man, I will tell you. <laughs> you nannies and I sure I'm sure you know this nannies and caregivers of all kinds parents too but there is uh no better way to assure a child does not want to sleep than to make it seem like you are very excited for them to go to sleep um if they're if they think that you're about to go have a party (laughs) then that's like game over um but I I will say that I think things like bitty stories and and read stories before bed makes it so that the kids are part of that mm-hmm. party and then that mm-hmm. becomes the exciting part about bedtime instead of um the parent or caregiver being like yep can yep. you just please yeah. sleep yeah yeah you give them the the belief that the end of their day is the end of the day and if right. you're there with them gold absolute gold and if they are the focus of what of the end of the day yeah that's that that's that comfort and that's that love yes yes so how is bitty stories different from other pod like kids podcasts because we've talked a little bit about it but i would just love to know you know there there are a lot of kid focused podcasts out there what sets bitty apart from it I think it's because it is a sitcom. I wish I could rebrand, but (laughs) that would be too much. Uh, It's not like story time where you have once upon a time. It's like the office and, and I say this, it's like the office and Mr. Rogers kind of put together because of the characters and because of the humor and it's kid humor. Yeah. Yeah. I don't it, do it really bathroom. is. I, I Listener, do, it really is. <laughs> I don't do bathroom jokes, but I sprinkle them in every once in a while, yeah. you know, but type of stuff. But it it's it's humor that kids understand because the grown-up world is very confusing. 
and mysterious. And so when you see this podcast to the eyes of a duck who is perpetually in first grade, you begin to understand that kids find the world funny because they don't understand it. And that is one of the principles of comedy is that we make fun of the things that we don't understand. Mm -hmm. So when I bring those ideas in to the humor, it's comforting to the kids because like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. One of the things that I love to do is to play with words and manipulate the sounds. Like there's one story I did where Biddy is trying to do this game and she's going to create a, a letter. She's going to take her wings and her, her legs and she's going to basically say, all right, guess what letter I'm making. I'll do a letter. You guess it. And then the characters in the tree are also like, yeah, okay, cool. So she, she shapes herself into the letter Y. Mm. Okay. And the, and so she says, what letter am I making? And they'd say, why? And she says, well, it's because it's the game. I make a letter and you, you <laughs> guess the word or the letter, you know? And so then that you can see where that goes. They keep yeah, saying why. A little, and... a little who's on first. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Bingo. Exactly. Yeah. It's word humor because it can't be visual humor. Exactly. Who's on first. Hmm, nice catch. I didn't even catch that. Yeah. So I did a, I did a it... show once that uh, was called the history of comedy and we did oh. a, a sketch that was similar to who's on first, but different and mm. uh so i i know that that brand of humor and it's very very good and it's perfect for a podcast and for kids yeah and i i think that it it's what i swim best in mm. um i know monty python is a television show that was from england years ago but i was always most attracted to the comedy that was word comedy mm -hmm. manipulation of words playing with the words because it's it's fun to do and i think it really does suit well for a podcast is there is no visual. So thank God I still have enough comedy in my bones to be able to keep doing it. But like I said, kids are the ones that just keep feeding me the, the, the material, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I love, I love that type of humor. And as a former high school English teacher, I thank you because that is like what makes words fun. And I think sometimes we get so lost in the sauce of like perfect grammar and things like mm -hmm. that. And I'm like, mm -hmm. no, we have to have a playfulness with language. That's what mm -hmm. all these authors did mm -hmm. that we are mm -hmm. now studying is that they were playful. So yeah. why not? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I love that you play all these different characters, but I imagine that that takes a long time to record all the different things and it, put it together. It can, it can, it depends on the, sometimes it really happens quickly. Nothing's scripted. I don't really enter a story with a script. I, well, I don't, but layering the voices making sure it sounds natural. It's fun, but that's a little bit tricky and it can take, a, it can take about an hour or two to put the story together the time goes by fast, but carving out that time is extremely difficult. Yes. <laughs> extremely difficult. Yeah. Teachers have nothing to do right now, right? <laughs> oh. You all can't see his face totally dry. Please don't, don't feed that fuel. <laughs> yeah, it's trying. I'll, I'll, I'll briefly tell you, I have 77 choir students that meet in the gym spread across the entire bleachers. So... I feel like oh. Freddie Mercury in front of, you know, Wembley Stadium. 
how do I keep these people? How do I keep their attention? Yes, yes. And for any listeners who did not pick up on my sarcasm, um, (laughs) you know, if you're neurodivergent or anything, please know that I think teachers are doing like I knew the work, the most work. Um, (laughs) So, and you're a dad. So that's just so much. So yes, I, I appreciate that you continue to make it because I know, you know, with my podcast, it's sometimes it's hard to, yeah, yeah. to find the time. So it is. I appreciate all the work you're doing. Well, thank um, you. Yeah. Yeah. So what feedback have you got? I mean, you've kind of like uh, alluded to it throughout this interview, but um, how, how has your podcast been received? And then how does Oof. that feed into changes or directions that the story takes? I know you like to, in your podcast, you like to end with an uplifting story. I think I might make that this. That's a okay. good question. I won't name names. Uh, and I won't dig in too deep with the story. But when you do this for 12 years, you do come across every once in a while, some young child who is having an incredible amount of difficulty. <laughs> and... And it was one of those situations where I received an email that this child had gone through something really rough. It was tough to read. And what did they want instantly to bring them comfort was to listen to bitty stories mm. and incredibly humbling. And my, my voice is quivering a little bit right now because it's, you start to think about the whole trail of life and where something starts and you have no idea where it's going to go or who it's going to affect. And it's somebody who was, you know, in this day and age, thousands of miles away from where I'm at, but that we do have the technology. We have the ability to help people to affect a life. And that what I'm doing brought security Along with the, the you know, along with the the people who were with her, of course. But wow, I mean that was that was heavy and powerful because dad jokes, kind of you want you might say oh, the, the my my podcast is centered around just a bunch of dad jokes. But then the weight of that some young person really really went to it in that lowest darkest moment. Ah. That's heavy and that's beautiful. It's humbling. And I am so glad that all those years ago, uh, I took a walk with my young one and we found that duck walking in front of us while we were in the rain. That's where it started. (laughs) I love that so much. That is beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Um, So, (laughs) yeah. So, so for listeners who want to to bring biddy into their homes uh, <laughs> or their nanny kids homes uh where where can listeners find find these wonderful stories most of the popular places you ever go for a podcast itunes stitcher boy i gotta check if we're on spotify i don't know but if you just go itunes or stitcher type in biddy bedtime stories and itunes and it will instantly come up. 
and it will direct you to iTunes to listen to it. Yeah. 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 And all of those links will be down in the show notes. So uh, do not fear listener if you are driving and can't check right now. Um, they're down there for you. Um, and if a, if a listener wants to, to know more about you, is there a website or anything like that where they can reach you? <laughs> well, how about an email? Perfect. Uh, I, I, I don't Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I tried doing Facebook for Biddy, but it just became a bit much, mm-hmm. a lot of work. So my email address is biddystories at gmail.com. That's B-I-D-D-Y stories at gmail.com. Wonderful. Well, is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you'd like to talk about today? This was beautiful. It really, really was. I I had a great time. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You're very good at this. I've been on the other side. It's nerve wracking. You know, it can be. So very well done. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking time to, to tell us about Biddy Stories because my goodness, what a wonderful resource for nannies and caregivers out there. Go check it out, listeners. Uh, And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. I love providing Chronicles of Nannia to you at no cost. So if you love this podcast, please consider donating by clicking the support the show link in the show notes. I also totally understand if a donation isn't the way you can show your support right now. Another excellent way to support the podcast is to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Those ratings help other nannies and caregivers around the world find Chronicles of Nannia. Also, if you love the show, tell your friends. Word of mouth is so helpful to get the word out about the podcast. And truly, thank you for listening. It really means the world to me. The Chronicles of Nannia is produced and hosted by Martha Tyler. Artwork by Noni Blastodon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudios.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.